Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. No Jumper, coolest podcast in the world. And today I'm in here with a great American, a great Brooklynite. Yeah. Nims is in the building. Your life. How you feeling, man? I feel stupendous. Yeah. Yeah. It's great to have you in here. It's an honor and a pleasure, bro. Thank you. And like I was just telling you, I just spent a week in Williamsburg I'm preparing s- for this. Sorry to hear that. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> when did that change take place, though? When would you have respected a Williamsburg resident as a true the New 90s. Yorker? That changed in the 90s? 90s. That long ago. Holy yes. crap. Yes. Biggie was hanging out on Bedford in the 90s. That was Bed-Stuy, though. Right. Bedford turns into Williamsburg, you know. Right. Bedford, yo, Bedford crosses the whole Brooklyn, actually. Bedford, they got... Right by Coney Island, which is at the bottom of Brooklyn, and it goes across the whole Brooklyn. Oh, okay. So but it goes so, through all the neighborhoods. But so the Bedford in Williamsburg it that has all the, de- the delicious food and all yeah, the greats, yeah, yeah. the, the, the hot hipster chicks and everything like mm-hmm. that. You don't respect it? I mean, it is what it is. It's, not, it's respectable. You, Every, but do you feel at home there? No. It's a different world. No, no, no. I don't feel at home in any parts of the north side of Brooklyn. Really? I'm from the south side of Brooklyn, which is like a whole different world. I know, because when I lived in New York, I used to pedal my friggin' bike down to Coney Island and go swimming on the beach. I had these two girls that I would kick it with, and they were the only people I knew who didn't have a job. So on like a Wednesday (laughs) afternoon, they'd be down to go kick it on the beach. And uh, I remember like kind of getting turned off to the Coney Island experience because I think two times I went there in a row, I was walking on the beach and cut my foot open on a Corona bottle that had been broken the night before. Inside the sand. Yeah, inside the sand. Yeah, that's that's how they get you, right? Yeah, yeah. That's happened to me many times. Back in the days, you know, now it's Corona bottle. Back in the days, it used to be needles. Oh, God. I, I'm All really not ready for that. Yeah. yeah. Real fuck your life shit. That's real. And I've known about you for a long time because I remember back in the day in the Scavenger BMX video... I saw you, and and that's how I knew of you from so long ago. So then, when you started going viral more recently, I was just kind of astounded. Yo, shout out to um, Edwin De La Rosa. Edwin. He he just he came to me one day. I was like, Yo, I'm a big fan. I was like, Who? The, you know, I thought he was just a regular guy. And mm-hmm. then people would tell, Yo, this guy's the man when it comes to the BMX scenes and all of that. And I tapped in with him. Wound up being a great dude. You know what I'm saying? When and, I was 16, he was like 16, but he was from Brooklyn, and he was like the most influential BMX rider that's what they living. Were telling me. Yeah, he changed the whole game. That's crazy. It was. He's a good dude, man. Humble dude. He always showed love. Came by Coney Island. Would always just chop it up like a re- like. You would never, you would never know that. Like, right. see, I didn't know that about him, and from me hanging out with him, you would never get that vibe. He was always just down to earth. Like, but how'd you, how do you approach you? What, what, what? I think he came to a show one day oh. and was just like, "Yo, I'm a fan," and uh, and then I, like I said, people told me, "Yo, that's Edwin Della." I was like, "Yo, who the fuck is that?" Mm-hmm. Yo, this guy's like, ESPN had like top thirty most influential athletes, mm-hmm. and he was like on that list. And I was wow. like, "What? Never even heard of dude." Right. And uh, then he would just, yo, then he hit me, yo, we want to do a scavenger video, we want to come by Coney Island, come through. Right. And, I, you know, I'm big on energy, man. I, I give back the, the same love that I receive, whether it's a, a fan, whether it's a, another artist. If you if you show love, I show it right back, man. There's no, I try to put the ego down, you know what I'm saying? I, I, right. I try to, and especially as I get older, it's more like, you know, love is love, man. I mean, seeing you 
the in the videos and stuff and how you are when you're in your neighborhood and everything it's just so blatant that you're a man of the people and that in in some ways you've really kind of built your fan base one by one shaking hands saying what's up to people selling somebody a t-shirt which is kind of a classic way of thinking about it. now mm-hmm. with streaming and everything it's like no you're supposed to get signed by a label and get a little baby feature and all of a sudden everybody just knows who you are you can like feel the grind and how long you've been building this thing up i mean that was always the um that that was always the 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 blueprint was just how you said it. But um, when I came out, of, I came home from jail in two thousand seven. I only did like a year and a half. But um, when I came out, MySpace had started. Before right. I went in, there was no MySpace, YouTube. It was like AOL chat rooms. And I came home, and Necro, Necro, signed, hits me up on MySpace. Never met him. Never even heard his music. I heard of him, but I all I knew was I need drugs. Hit me up. Was like, yo, I I fuck with your shit, man. I want to take you on tour and sign you to my label. Wow. And I was like, all right. You know what I'm saying? And he took me on tour all through the West Coast. My first show, coming home out of jail, we did House of Blues on Sunset. Best show I ever, Porn Stars, Naked Chicks. It was like, it was some shit just coming out of jail. was like, yo. And then just being around him, I saw that you don't need to be on the radio or do what you just said to be successful and be a million. All his shows were sold out at that time. But so before that, you had never had any kind of flirtation with celebrity or show business nah, I mean, at all? Yeah, no, I was battling. I did the Fight Club oh, shit, okay. and I was the champ of that. I beat everybody. But For how many years were you doing that? Probably like a year or two. Okay. But I didn't know what it was. Like, I didn't... I thought it was like, a, at that time, how you got your name known in New York City was, um, this bef- like, right before the social media thing. So it was just like, you had to go to events. every Almost every night, there was a battle in New York City. So I was right. outside, you know? And if you rhymed... I was, let me hear something, and then I go, and then somebody took me to this battle, and it was like, yo, this is thing called Fight Club, it's not open to the public, only industry, I went, I won a battle, and they hit me, yo, we're having another one in two weeks, and I won that, and I just kept winning, my, I won like 20 times in a row. And this wasn't like you knew who you were going to battle? Nah, they just would be like, yo, alright, next we call into the table, Nems, and next up we got fucking 40 Cal from Dipset, right. or this person, <laughs> and I just... Just kept winning every week, and then right. they, you know, and then it became when I got locked up, it became a show on MTV too, right. and they were showing it every night when I was locked up. So I came home, I already had a fucking buzz. Right, but what made you want to cut ties with that shit at a certain point? Because it's still probably a bag for you to be getting doing that, right? It's not as much of a bag as people think it is, mm. and also, when after I came home, it, it started getting, you know, the person like when I battled, it was just like I don't know who I'm battling. It's just my rhymes versus your rhymes. Whoever's better is better, and most of the time. That's I'm I'm more animated. I'm more disrespectful just in my regular rhyme. So I would just beat everybody, um, and then it just became you have to study somebody. I'd rather write an album than study somebody for fucking three months. Right. And I was just like, you know, you see people talking shit to each other, and then behind the scenes, it's like WWF. When so I, I went to like, I went to one battle, and I just realized like, oh my god, I just spent my whole life thinking that these <laughs> motherfuckers hate each other. Yeah, and they don't. Yeah. It's like a little community. You know. Sometimes here and there, there might be some tension. But yeah, but not really. It's not crazy. So I was like, you know, I'm, I, I'd rather spend my time making music. That's my love and my was my passion of just doing songs. And I would use most of the verses from songs and beat people in battles. Right. So it was just second nature to me. But it was different when everything wasn't documented exactly. online. Because you exactly. do that now, everybody. Oh, this is this song from this mixtape. Yeah. What a fucking piece of shit. Y'all was beating people with the same verses 
Every week. <laughs> I would spit the same verse that the whole crowd heard the week before right. and still beat somebody. I think that's illa. You can't do that now because it would be documented. But, yo, you know, it yeah. wouldn't work. Dudes used to have, like, one freestyle, and they would go to every radio show <laughs> yeah, and just bust exactly. it over and over and over. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It was a good era. Nah, man, there's something about, like, just being back in New York and realizing I, I know so many people... New York, just being there is such an amazing experience and the energy of just walking outside. And obviously, like, every different neighborhood is different. They all bring different energies. But there's something about that. I know so many people who are still, like, trapped in that vortex mm -hmm. of just going out, hanging out on the block, doing something here and there, going to some events, getting fucked up, doing graffiti, whatever it is. And it's like when I went back, I just realized, like, holy shit, if I never moved to L.A., I would have never broke out of this mentality. And Because I, I know people are still in it because it's so amazing being part of it. Yeah, but you get stuck in it. Yeah. And it just, yo, 10 years of my life just got wasted. What the, what the fuck happened? Just hanging out outside the bodega. Yeah. yeah. Um, And that's that's also why I had to make a change. You know, at, uh, at, during the time of the fight club and all of that time, I was heavily into drugs. I was... Right. I was homeless. I was a stone cold drug addict. And mm -hmm. then, you know, I had to make that change. Like, I had to change up my life or I was going to die or be in jail. Right. So tell me a little bit about your childhood. So, my childhood, I'm Puerto Rican and Irish. Right. Um, Good my father, <laughs> cool. My father's Irish. My mother's Puerto Rican. My father passed away when I was four mm -hmm. from HIV. Um, he was a drug user. Both my parents were drug users. Um, they, got, they got clean and met each other. And then they got married. My mother got pregnant. And by four, uh, my father had HIV through using needles. Luckily, my I didn't get it. My mother didn't get it. Um, and in, and at that time, that was like a death sentence. You catch right. HIV, it was like yo, you know, there's no, you can't live with that shit. It's not like Magic Johnson. But that when that was in the beginning, but you got it, you was dead in a couple months. Wow. So he passed away. Um, and I grew up in Coney Island my whole life. My whole family was heavy out there, drug dealers. Robbers, burglars, killers, well-respected. Right. Um, and um, we, I grew up there until my high school years. Moved to Staten Island. Went to high school out there. Got kicked out of... So I set a fire in a public high school. Couldn't go to no New York public high school. What did you light on fire? Uh, Oak tag. I was talking to a girl just playing with my light, and the shit went up on fire. I was like, oh, shit. You know, so it was a total accident? Yeah, yeah. I didn't do it on purpose. And you got banned from every high school? For one year. Oh, for a year. So I had to go to the Poconos and stay with my Irish side, my father's, my grandparents on my father's side. And that's why I started writing raps because I didn't have nothing to do. Really? I would just go to school. I was on the honor roll. I was always good at school. It's just I never went. Once I got to high school, it was like, oh, it's my choice? I'm not going to this shit. I'm going to smoke weed and hang out. Right. But in Pennsylvania, there was nothing to do. So I would just go to school and i come home. I would just write raps all day. Right. And that's when I started with the, with the music shit. Right, definitely. Who were you influenced by? What was the sound of your childhood and what Prodigy, you really loved? Uh, Onyx, Sticky Fingers, Big mm. Pun, Big L. Uh, the the mid to late '90s is when I was coming up, and and that's when I was heavily influenced. Right. Um, but I'm also, you know, I, I went to Catholic school, so I was also influenced by nirvana okay. and 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 pearl jam and like the the grunge rock era because that's when i was like sixth seventh grade so i was into everything right um but you to, know to me that's like a real new yorker is somebody who can really 
take in all these different influences because yeah. there is so much different shit around. I remember one thing, can you kind of remind me of, of Action Bronson a little bit with the way that you just have appreciation for so many different things. I remember when I first listened to Bronson and I realized this guy has wrestling references. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> He's making jokes about bodybuilders that I Absolutely. fucking heard about, yep. shit like that. Like, I love a, a person who, who who's not afraid to just have like a lot of different interests. You know? Absolutely, well-rounded. Yeah. And I feel like when you grow up in New York, you have to kind of be a chameleon because every, wherever you go, every neighborhood is you. Your next door, I'm, I'm Puerto Rican, Irish. My neighbor might be Indian. Mm. My my other neighbor might be from fucking, you know, El Salvador. Right. You know what I'm saying? So every and and you grow up with friends of every culture, every creed, every religion, every you know ethnicity, and it's just like it's a melting pot, and you just become. You know, well versed in everything, and that's why LA is so different. Is that like Beverly Hills and Compton are like thirty miles apart, and so it's night and day. They never fucking see each other. If you're from Beverly Hills, you got no reason to go there. Meanwhile, in in Brooklyn, you, you're in a black neighborhood. There's a Puerto Rican neighborhood next door. There's a Hasidic Jewish yeah. neighborhood next door. It's like Italian, every, yeah, and you yeah. all just get on the train together, and you got some guy that's like completely fucking different from you, and you're just around each Absolutely. other. I think it makes people a little bit more tolerant. A hundred percent, a hundred percent, and that's why even in New York. Even um, saying the N-word. Right. You know what I'm saying? I came up, I, I said that shit. My, I'm Puerto Rican. I'm from the hood. Never was an issue. Right. Never. Nobody ever, even to this day, nobody's ever said nothing to me in person. But you see it online. And then when I started going out to Detroit battling, I would see like they, their faces would be like offended. Mm. And I'd be like, I was I was confused. Right. I, you know, I, I I never thought, you know. But it's either black and white out there. There's no, there's no Puerto Ricans. Even when I went recently, a couple weeks ago to Atlanta, you know, my, most of my crew, we all Puerto Ricans running through. They're like, yo, guys are aggressive. We're like, this is just how we talk. Like, yo, you mad Puerto Ricans? It's not. So that's when I started seeing that, oh, okay, this is, this is not how everybody talks. Right. This is not like, because in New York, you got white guys saying it. You got Chinese people saying it. It's just how people when, talk. When I first moved to New York, that was one of the things that really stood out to me was every fucking person said it, including white kids with rich fucking yeah. parents and, and every Spanish kid, every Puerto Rican kid, whatever. Couldn't believe it, you know, yeah. at the time. But I feel like that maybe has changed a bit just because the, the internet has informed 100%. everybody, you know. 100%. And that's why if you listen to my earlier music, I say it, and then I just came to a conscious effort like, I'm not saying that shit no more. Like, you right. know what I'm saying? Like, even even if um I just a lot of things back in the days were were tolerated and accepted that aren't now. Right. You just have to change with the times. And also, I don't wanna give anybody a reason not to listen to, I, first of all, I don't wanna offend nobody anymore. That's how I live. Before I used to really be fucking like I don't give a fuck how you feel. Fuck oh, your life. I was I was searching you up on YouTube last night. I seen some good examples. Yeah, not nah, hundred <laughs> <laughs> I wanna know why you smacked the shit out of this barber. Yo, oh, he didn't pay the rent. I mean, he was working for you, right? Yeah, yeah. So I you had, own the barber I shop? I had two barber shops in Staten Island. Me and my cousin owned it. And um, it was just, kid was a habitual line stepper. Right. Like, he always would come late on the rent. But he was a good kid. I liked him. But it just comes to a point where you're like, you got, you're not going to keep taking advantage of me. You think it's a joke because I'm nice. I'm, I'm, you know, just sometimes you just got to. And that's a communication style. But me, me as like a boss. You can't do that. If the editor is fucking up, you know, I just got to fire him or yell at him. I can't, I can't smack him upside the head. Also, that was over 10 years ago. And, right. you know, um, you learn from your mistakes. Right. You know what I'm saying? Well, I used that to was... solve a lot of problems with violence. Absolutely. You know? 
It's the best way. I mean, ideally. <laughs> this whole, you know what? I was just I was just driving through. We're looking at the mountains. I'm like, yo, imagine back in the days before all these uh, builders or anything. You just riding your horse through here. Like this whole country, they probably killed mad Indians. You know what I'm saying? Like, yo, this whole country is built on deboing people. Right. You know what I'm saying? And, and that was just the, the way of the world at yeah. that time. It's pretty amazing that people have gotten to the point where when Russia invades Ukraine, the whole world throws up its hands yeah, and yeah, says yeah. this is inappropriate because that was just every other fucking day, Absolutely. I'm sure, but f throughout all of human history. history yeah. And it's funny that something like taking America from the, the Native Americans, everybody could agree that that was wrong. But it's also like, well, we ain't giving it back. Yeah. We want it. We yeah, need it's it. It's ours now. <laughs> yeah. Fuck your life. So we're still playing by those rules retroactively, which is kind of weird. And I, oh, I didn't say Native American. I said Indians. If yeah, you feel a way about it, fuck your life. Right. But also, I tried not to do that, but I just, at the moment, I didn't realize what they were, you know, what the proper term. I knew what you were going for. I don't think anybody expects, like, extreme political correctness from NEMS. <laughs> <laughs> Gorilla NEMS. Um, all right, so... You're, you're, you start touring with Necro, he sees the vision, which is kind of amazing because you, you're making it sound like you were basically on nothing when he found you. Yeah. Yeah. And uh, so then you're seeing everything. Did this help get you more into drugs or were you already into drugs? I was already. I was. I started, that was when I came, when I came, I spent my whole 23 locked up. 20, when I turned 24, got with Necro. Um, but I started getting into drugs Probably when I moved to Staten Island and, mm -hmm. and, and my, my beginning high school years, I would, it started with ecstasy and Xanax. And this is before, like, the hood knew about it. And so I was oblivious because when I moved into the suburbs, I'm like, ecstasy, you know, all in the hood is just crack. Mm. You know what I'm saying? And, and I'm like, oh, I'll take this little half a pill. It made me feel great. And then Xanax, oh, I love, I love Xanax. Xanax was my thing. Yeah. And, uh, and then that turned into... Heroin. I was a heroin addict for eight years. Why are you shooting up? Nah, I never shot up. I was sniffing it. Okay. Um, and again, if somebody... See, this is what happened. When I moved back to Coney Island, I did my high school years in Staten Island and the Poconos. And then when I was 18, moved back to Coney Island. Right. So when I moved back to Coney Island, my mother had relapsed, right? And so she's... In the streets, getting high, going to rehab. So I'm living with my uncle. And you're and a kid, I, and you fully understand this, or is nah, it still? Nah, I didn't understand it at the time. Mm. You know, I look back at life, and you understand it. Right. Um, so I'm I'm 18, back in the hood. My mother owned that. We bought us a house. She was living in a house in Staten Island. She relapsed, lost the house. Now I'm back in the projects, in Coney Island, living with my uncle. Um, I would see people come to his door. Him served them. I knew where his stash was at. I didn't know what it was though. I not I, like in, in in Staten Island. I was doing ecstasy and Xanax, smoking mad weed, drinking forties. Mm -hmm. When I go back, <clears throat> I dip into a stash and think it's cocaine. Now, if somebody would have came to me and said, "Yo, this is heroin," I would have been like, "Get the fuck out!" And I'm not. I knew what crack looked like, so mm -hmm. I never, I never smoked crack. Right. You know what I'm saying? Somebody would say, "Yo, this is heroin," so I would be like, "Never." I dipped into a stash thinking it was coke. Did it? I started doing it. I love the way it makes me feel, right? It takes away all my inhibitions, makes me, you know, boisterous. Now I'm back in the hood, so I got to put on a mask and I got to be a gladiator because now I'm back in the hood, mm. you know what I'm saying? And and uh, when really I'm a I'm a hurt child at this point. My, mo my father's dead. My mother just, everything I knew about my mother being clean for 18 years is now out the window. She's in the streets. I've never seen that before. And I'm just yeah. like, I don't know what the fuck is life. So I guess that's a was a coping mechanism. Me getting high is the only way that I could get my feelings. Cause I'm a very I'm a loner. Mm 
Right. I don't talk to nobody about my problems, even throughout my whole life, even now. I don't talk about my problems. I don't. You know, I don't fucking bother people with my shit. I keep it all inside until I fucking explode sometimes. Right. So, you know, I'm doing heroin for a couple weeks. I guess the people I'm around is like, sees the difference in me. So I'm hanging out with a girl one day. She's like, yeah, Yo, you do more than weed? I'm like, yeah, I do coke. You want to try some? She's like, let me see. I pulled out. She's like, yo, that's not coke, man. That's, that's dope. It's heroin. And at this point, I was already hooked on it. And like, right. I was like, y'all already, you know, and then it was off to the races for eight years, from 18 to 26. Right. So what do you start doing? You start robbing people and doing all kinds of fucked up shit to get heroin? Every day was robbing people. Every single day. I robbed everybody in my building, everybody in Coney Island, everybody I met through music. I was, but I was just a piece of shit. And you were good at it, so you managed to not get caught for a long time? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Nah, so at 19, I had robbed a cab, beat him up, took all his shit, probably a couple, couple hundred dollars. Um, and I got arrested, but when I bailed out, I was like, I'm not turning myself in. I went on the run for four years, and that during that time, I was doing the Fight Club. Every I just I wasn't hiding. I just didn't. They didn't catch me. Right. Um. What were they trying? Would you hear yeah, about they them? Would look, they asking my moms for you? would be like, Yo, they came by the house, and I wasn't there. Yo, they came. My girlfriend at the time. Yo, they came by the house. I wasn't there. I know some New Yorkers who who managed to live on the fucking <laughs> yeah, lamb for a for long years, ass period of time. Four years, and I did the whole Fight Club shit. So. When they finally caught me, the judge was like, yo, you stayed out of trouble for four years, so I'm going to drop it to a nonviolent crime, and that gave me the opportunity to do shock, which is like for first-time felons. Right. And it's like boot camp. So him him of, rewarding you for going on the run yeah. is pretty funny, right? Yo, it's crazy. <laughs> so instead of doing the one-and-a-half to four-and-a-half-year term, I wound up doing like probably like 13, 14 months. Uh-huh. And uh, I come home. I'm good. I, I didn't get high for maybe 10 months while I was locked up. Okay, but um, it was an option. You could. Nah, I wasn't because in the in the shock program that shit is like boot camp. There's okay, nothing. Yeah, it's yeah. not like regular jail. Um, so I came home. I'm good for two weeks. And I go right back to the same shit. I was like, you know, I made the mistake trying it one day. They're like I could just do one. I've been good. Chip sent me right back to the races. So right. and I was fucked up. And at this time, I had deals with Shady. Well, they wanted to sign me. They was like, Yo, Nems, we love your music. We want to sign you to a development deal. Um, but you're going in and out of jail. You're robbing people outside shows. You're doing. You're living crazy. Like you're more of a asset than. I mean, a liability than an asset. And they just stopped returning my calls, and I was just was like, that was my one fucking shot. And then when that happened, and they stopped returning my calls, I was like, fuck it. I just gave up on the rap shit, and just like, yo, I'm just gonna be a fucking bum, being wow. fiend. And that's when I really became homeless, sleeping in the lifeguard chairs in Coney Island and the project staircases. But I was really vicious. I was robbing everybody, everybody. Really? And it wasn't because I wanted to. It was just like, you know, it was either me or you. Right. I'm, I wake up every morning, I'm sick. If I don't rob you, I have a $700 a day habit. If I don't go out there and get this money, I'm going to be fucking sick, sh- fucking throwing up on myself. Fuck. So it was just like, you know, you're marching to the to the fucking beat of somebody else, you know, got the right. gorilla on your back. And um, How'd you break out of that? How long did that last? Eight years. Eight fucking years. Eight years. And you're and in and out of jail during in this? In and out of jail, going to rehabs, going to detoxes. It just, I couldn't stop. I had people praying over me. My moms would take me to church. Because right when I started getting out, my mother got clean again. Wow. And my mother been clean ever since. That's great. So she, and she was a drug counselor. So once they found out what I was doing, they was shipped, yo, go to rehab, go to details. People praying over me, jail, nothing stopped it. And then uh, 
I just had like a moment of clarity, bro. I just, I knew when I was at the end, I was homeless. I was, oh, I had no friends. I didn't, I, didn't, I, I was just bottom of the barrel, bottom. Like you would look at me and be like, yo, this guy's a piece of, stay away. Did you have a lot of people who cared about you and loved you? And then at a certain point you had just kind of burnt out? Burnt all the bridges. Yeah. Absolutely. Absolutely. Everybody that let me close. I would rob from them. I would steal from them. Mm. You know, um, in the beginning, it started, I was doing a lot of gangster shit. I would stick people up, dude. But by the end, it became cowardly, where mm. I would, you let me close to you, I'm fucking taking your phone. I'm taking your kid's PlayStation. And, and it was just, yo, I was a, a shame. It was a shame. I was, a, a, I was ashamed of myself, right. the person I had become. And I just had this moment of clarity where I was just like, I saw my. I was on like a three week run. I stole a prescription pad from a doctor. It was already all the pages were signed, so I was writing myself scripts, selling them. The pad had ended. I'm on a three week run where I didn't sleep. I didn't. I probably didn't shower. I don't know. And I just saw myself from the outside. Oh, I, had, I don't know what it was, but I um I was like, yo, I could keep going how I'm going. I'm gonna be dead very soon. I knew it. Right. I felt death on me. I'm gonna be in jail the rest of my life. Or I could stop right now and live my fucking dreams. Because I still had hopes of being the rapper. I still wanted to do that, but I just had given up. Right. And uh, I begged. My mother was a fucking... My mother had who had come to every visit in jail, took care, came to a point before, was like, y'all, I wish you would just die so I could stop worrying about you. You know what I'm saying? It had become that bad. That How, night, how'd that feel when she said that? Horrible. It was like the, only, the one person you always had in your corner, no matter what, no matter you stole from them, no matter you lied to them, they still had your back. Yeah. When they tell you that, it's like all bets are off. It's just like, you know, I failed that life. That's heavy. You know what I'm saying? But you really were able to just snap out of it and just start living your life differently? It wasn't like it was like a one-time thing. Like I told you, I, I've tr I was trying for all the years. I didn't want to fucking be a heroin addict. I didn't want to be a fucking addict. I didn't want to steal from people. I didn't want to be a piece of shit. I just couldn't stop. Hmm. I didn't know how. I didn't have it in me. I don't know. I don't know what the fuck happened. But but it's like that for everybody who's yeah, an addict for a long time. Absolutely. You know, I know people who are heroin addict for eight years. One, but actually, I'm going to be real with you, though. Most of the people that I know who really beat it at a certain point, it basically became you go to jail or you stop doing this. Mm -hmm. Like my friends who had to do a piss test every week. Yeah. The worst drug addicts I've ever seen stopped because they didn't want to get locked up. That didn't stop me. I had the Wizenator. Some of them definitely When I was on parole, still. I had the Wizenator. <laughs> oh, okay, yeah. And my man gave it to me from... Uh... He just had gotten off Fed parole. Was like, yeah, hey, take my shit. He gave me the win. But it wasn't even my color, bro. That shit was mad darker than me. I don't know how I got away with the shit, but I, the Wizenator you strap on. So oh, so it's like a little fake penis. So even if they look, they yeah, think. Yeah, yeah. Because when you, <laughs> you go got to a black parole, dick. yeah, yeah. When you go, <laughs> when you go to parole, the, there's the toilet, but they got a mirror right here. So the guy's standing behind you and he's looking at your pee. So the Wizenator you strap it under you, keep the piss along your thing right here, keeps your body temperature. Because you know, sometimes yeah. they check the temperature. And it's like a, a fake dick. Yeah. And you press the button. There's a button underneath, and it the pouch shit from the pouch comes out, and then you get the clean urine. Here you go. So I had it, bro. That shit. It definitely was mad. Dog. I must. I I did have a cool parole officer. Shout to Officer Cohen. I still remember his name. He either I don't know. Either he thought I had a fucking. I don't know what the fuck he thought, but got a sunburn down there yeah, or something. Something. <laughs> so. One day, they didn't take my piss for like a month or two, and I didn't change the piss. And I put it on, and I, they took my piss. I pressed the button, bro. This shit came out like applesauce. Bro, this shit was like, 
I was like, oh, shit. He looked, he said, he was like, yo, what? I was like, yo, my bad, bro. I haven't fucking, I don't drink water. It's the summertime. He was like, yo, I'm tested it. Yo, it's clean. He was like, yo, I'm gonna let you go, but I need you to go straight to the hospital right now. Right. I said, no, no problem. I'm going right now. You know wow. what I'm saying? <laughs> so, yeah, so, yo, I when I stopped, I, that night I had the moment of clarity. I fucking begged my mother to let me stay. Yo, ma, please, let me sleep on your couch. I want to stop. Mm. I, I, this is it. And I didn't go nowhere. I didn't go to no jail. I mean, I didn't go to rehab. Detail. I just stopped. I, was, I scared myself to the point where I knew that what I said was true. I was going to die or be in jail. And from that point on, I never touched. No, I don't smoke. I don't drink. I don't do anything. I mean, I smoke my little vape. I stopped smoking cigarettes like last year. Smoke my little vape, but um, yeah, I don't do anything. Nothing right. for probably thirteen, going on thirteen years. November will be thirteen years. Wow. And ever since that point, bro, my whole life has been up since that point. Yeah. Every by ten months, I put out my first album. You know what I'm saying? And I went on tour in Europe, and it's just been little progressions, you know, slowly by slowly. And um, you know, in the last couple of years, I bought myself a house. I bought my mother a house. That's amazing. You know what I'm saying? Yeah, I feel like a lot of people, when they decide to stop being an addict, that they basically need something that they can dump their energy into to replace the, all the energy that they were putting into drugs. I made a hustle. Was hustle. music it or, nah. or just grinding I always was doing music. Even when I was fucked up, you know, I had given up on my shit, but I still was, you know, conduct concocting rhymes in my head. So I always was doing the music. It was the hustle. Right. The hustle Yo, I need to. I'm. I, I need to make up for lost time. Right. And then it started with the merchandise, and then it started with just putting out quality projects, and then just, just, just little by little. I knew it was gonna be, I, cause I can't tell people. I can't go back to Shady Records or Def Jam that I was dealing with. Be like, yo, fuck with me now. I'm good. Mm -hmm. Just it, they when they see it, they're gonna see it. You know what I'm saying? It's a process. So I just, just did my thing. Like yo, kept put my head down and just muscled through everything, and then. Eventually, shit bigged up, bigged up, bigged up, right. bigged up. So when I seen you in that scavenger video back in whatever, I was clean there. You were clean I was by like that clean point for like two years. Okay. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Right. And so I don't know. Did, like, did you feel like everybody in the music world, all the fellow MCs and shit, did they kind of write you off, or did you feel like you maintained a bit of a relationship with any? I of them? maintained certain relationships, good relationships, definitely. Um. Yeah, I just, you know, some people. Didn't let me that close. You know, some some people were just acquaintances, so right. they didn't see that side of me. Mm -hmm. Or if they saw that side of me, they didn't really care because they wasn't really friends. You know what I'm saying? We were just doing a song here if and you, there. If you keep, keep you at arm's length, yes. then they don't have to suffer the negative consequences exactly. of you stealing their PlayStation. Exactly. Right. Okay. But so when you're wrapped up in all this, one, okay, the, you said the, the hustle became your focus. But like for most people, for a lot of people, the hustle might include illegal shit as nah, well. I did that. Okay, so you were you were doing the illegal shit not still at, not at in that the point. Beginning. Right. I stayed away from everything for for a while, and then probably about when I had four or five years clean, I was just like uh, a, a close person to me had a nice little route going, and then I started taking over as the cell phone from Sunday to Wednesday. So oh. from the time I wake up, the phone wakes me up to the time I go to sleep. Um, I'm moving 50s of Coke, uh, Perk 30s, and Molly. Right. Now, all day, driving around Staten Island. Bang, 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 bang. The statute of limitations is up, so I could talk about it. Right. Um, and that was my thing. But that only lasted for, like, a year. Being a drug dealer in New York, though, like, how careful do you need to be? Or did you feel like you were nah, kind of bulletproof? In the beginning, it was just like, yo, you know, it's cool, I'm making money. But by the end, it was just like, 
it was paranoia. I'm either going to get robbed or I'm going to get knocked by the D's. And it just becomes every day. It's just like now I'm just constantly looking over my shoulder. And, it's, and I, it just became something. It became like using without the, the high. Right. You know what I'm saying? And But everything happens for a reason. Because what, what I did with that is that year that I took hustling and getting this money, stacked up enough bread to get my own place, blah, blah, blah. But... When I started doing the merch, I said, yo, I need to do this, but legally. Started dropping merch. So I started dropping merch every single week. Right. And then I would go deliver it to people. Mm -hmm. That would be my hustle. Like, just like I would wake up and drive around the city and serve people, I would start doing that with the merch. Oh, you in the Bronx? You buy, you got to buy 300 worth. I'll come drop you off this many hats. Blah, blah, blah. And then I'd just be created a, just a demand. And then people that would fuck with me would also be like, yo, I get to meet Nims as well as get some dope-ass clothes, you right. know what I'm saying? And then that's kind of how you said, build the fan by fan. We got I, a, You ever see people wearing the shirts that say it's an awful lot of cough syrup? Yeah. That's my boy Desto Dub, and he has like almost the exact same story where he was just selling lean, and then it became like, all right, I'm making this merchandise at the Facts. same time, and, and also a lot of the rappers want lean, so I'm around Young Thug, I'm around Lil Pump, I'm going to get them to wear it. It's like a very consistent Absolutely. one because it helped you can transition out of doing purely illegal shit into a more Absolutely. legal hustle you know all you got to do is stay consistent mm. same thing i learned in the drug game is the same thing that applies to the merch game or just anything in life as long as you stay consistent if they know i'm gonna drop a piece of merch every single friday at eight o'clock mm. they're gonna be waiting for that right if you miss a week you fucked up because now they're like, ah, this guy ain't consistent. I, next week, I ain't, I ain't going to be looking for it. But if you stay consistent, even if you take a loss, so what? Stay consistent. Keep banging them and banging them and banging them. And eventually, hey, yo. <laughs> eventually, <laughs> eventually, you're going you're gonna to turn nothing into something. Right. Man, that's amazing. So, But in terms of how you view music at this point, you know, hip-hop has changed a lot mm -hmm. for sure. Uh, but there's definitely still, you know, a, a hardcore foundation of people who love like more classic style hip hop. Obviously, even seeing Griselda blow up over mm -hmm. the last couple of years has been a huge sign of that. Like, how do you think about your music and what it means to you and how it fits in with the culture overall? So what I've done with my music is I always made music that I want to listen to, right. that I like. Um, if other people like it, that's an added bonus. But when the merch came along and everything else, that was my main bread and butter. So it was like the music, the music I'm going to keep making. I never switched how I made music. I stayed in it even when shit was changing and it was going down south and rappers in New York was rhyming like they was down south and switching up their style. I never switched up. Mm. I always knew that I had something there. It might take a little longer, but eventually somebody's going to latch on to it or somebody, you know, the masses will latch on to it. So I just kept doing this. I just stayed with my same formula because I knew that I, I knew I could rap. Listen, I'm not conceited, but I knew I had talent. Right. I knew that I had something that people liked because my little core fan base was fucking with it. I just didn't get out to the masses. So little by little, every shit would be, every, every album I drop or mixtape, it would get a, a bigger response than the last, a little bit bigger. And then I just never switched up. Right. And I just stayed true to who I am. Um, a lot of artists can't do that because they don't know who the fuck they are. Right. Uh, you ask the artists who are you, they can't tell you. A lot of them. Who they are is basically whatever is marketable or is going to exactly. sell at that given moment in time. And once the fan base, the fans are not stupid. I will at say all. that about hip hop is that there's a lot of industries and shit. Like I look at like the the 
the exercise world and shit. Sometimes I pay attention to this and I watch these videos. These motherfuckers are dumb. Like the fan base is really <laughs> believing that these motherfuckers who are on steroids are getting that way just off a of straight protein powder. <laughs> yeah, yeah, the yeah. rap fans are not like that. The rap fans have managed to figure out who every rapper has beef with, et cetera, et cetera. They're just they're they're very in tune with it absolutely. at large. So it's 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 hard to pull the wool over their eyes. Nah, absolutely. And that's why it's always been fuck your life, man. If you don't like me or what I'm doing, I don't care. I don't care, and I don't care what you're doing. It's not going to affect me. Mm. I'm going to keep doing what I'm doing. Fuck whatever you're doing. Fuck your life. All of that. Did you start Fuck Your Life? Absolutely. Because I, I, rem fuck your life. I remember before knowing about you, hearing people say it, yeah, yeah. but in retrospect, I feel like maybe those people got it from you, yeah, nah, and I I've, just didn't realize you I've were the source. I've been yelling Fuck Your Life since I was fucking 14, 15, which is what, like 99, 2000. Right. Um... Fuck your life. BMX dudes in New York City no, 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 screaming fuck your no, life at everybody. That from me. Yeah. Edwin, Edwin told me. Right. You know what I'm saying? That's where Edwin got it, and yeah. I'm sure that he got it from Edwin. Right. You know what I'm saying? What, what does it really mean to you? It means, like, exactly what I just said. Like, it's it's not like I want you to fucking die. It's just like, yo, you don't fuck with me? I don't care. Mm. Fuck whatever you got going on. I don't care what you got going on. I'm going to keep doing what I'm doing. Right. If you don't... If you ain't with what I stand for, or me and my people stand for, then get the fuck out of here. Fuck your life. Right. Whatever you're doing don't matter to me. Definitely. You know what I'm saying? And 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 you know it just became a a, a way of life. Like yo, I'm 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 a, I'm a very like I'm on my business, bro. Mm. I don't care. Like if, what they're doing over there doesn't affect what I'm doing over here. I'm gonna keep doing what I'm doing. Just that, which is still just like we just talked about when everybody was switching up their sound and doing different shit. I stayed doing what the fuck I'm doing. Mm. And look. They had little maybe success over there for a little bit, but now they back at the bottom. Me, I stayed little, 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 little. You ever listen to any, you know, auto tune rap? Anything I else? Listen to everything. SoundCloud rap? Yeah, you ever I tune listen into all that over bro. the years? I'm not mad at none of that. I'm not drill? Like, you fuck with the drill? I fuck with drill heavy. Yeah, the, I like they that. They took shit. over New York yeah, the past couple years, right? I fuck with drill heavy. Okay. Five years, my guy. I fuck. I, I fuck with that shit. Like I'm not. What if Five hits you and he's like, "Hey, hop on this track." Let's do it. Really? Even if it's some. I'm nice. I'm nice. <laughs> You're going to do I, your I, thing. I could rap my ass off. You uh -huh. know what I'm saying? So I could rap over motherfucking Annie Lennox. You know right. what I'm saying? I could rap over System of a Down. Okay. You know what I'm saying? I could rap. So I used to be in fucking Limelight, Sound Factory, high off fucking Ecstasy or Special K or Coke, rhyming to the techno beats mm. to my friends. You know, when I was 15, 16 with fake IDs. You know what I'm saying? Right. So I'm I'm from that cloth where I could rhyme over everything. Um, and, Th that's and, more important than your commitment to one specific sound is the, the notion that any beat can get dealt absolutely. with. Absolutely, and that's what keeps, that. um, like, my, my last album that came out last August, Congo, I tried to make every song a different vibe. You know what I'm saying? Like, yo, I don't want to hear a whole album where everything's exactly the same. Everything sounds exactly the same. That's corny. By the fucking fifth song, you're done. You don't, what the fuck is the point of hearing anymore? Right. You know what I'm saying? I want every song to be a different vibe and different, you know, Different feels and, 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 and different feelings and just cool shit, man. Did you have an official fallout with Necro? Or how, how long were nah. you running around with him? I was running around with him for probably six months. He Because then he seen in real life the fucking addict that I was. <laughs> but when he took me on tour, I brought out... He was just doing drugs? He wasn't a full he drug addict? Yo, Necro don't do drugs. So that song was just entertainment? Yeah, Necro don't do drugs. He don't drink. Oh, okay. 
He's a businessman. All right. He's good money. He's he's a genius when it comes to the marketing and all of that. I DM'd um, him at one point and asked him for an interview, and I think he said that I think he said he's open to it, but he wasn't doing interviews at the time or something. So maybe I can make that happen one day. Definitely can make it happen. Underground legend. Yeah, nah, hundred percent. Um, and Bill, his brother, my guy, Ill Bill, I right. did an album. With, Bill is my. I became over the years cooler with nothing with I'm, Necro. I always show love and got respect for Necro for what he did for me. That's that was real. That was a real individual. Mm -hmm. You know what I'm saying? And I respect that forever. But I feel like he took me as soon as he got. He know yo names. I want to fuck. He brought me on tour for two weeks. So I brought, in my mind, enough heaven with me to do three bags a day for the two weeks. But I ran through that shit in like the first three days. The rest of the tour, I was sick. Mm. And, the, and they seen the fucking, they was like, yo, this guy's really a fucking fiend. This right. guy's really an addict. You know what I'm saying? And then, um, you know, shit falls apart when you live like that. Let me ask you this. Coney Island... Have you, throughout your life, had to deal with the reputation that it's a little soft in comparison to the rest of Brooklyn? Never. Do, do people get that idea, or is that Never. is that a stereotype? I mean, maybe, just because they got a Ferris wheel on nah, the beach. Maybe you hear that over here, but if, if you ask anybody in Brooklyn, it's grimy there. Everybody knows. The whole New York knows. Okay. Like everybody, in, it's like a New York secret. Like Coney Island is world famous, known for the rides, but the rides is. You get off Stillwell, Ave Stillwell Avenue, right? That's the tr last stop on the on the MTA, the train station. You could go five blocks this way, and that's all the rides. Mm. You go 21 blocks this way, it's nothing but projects. Right. And different projects that beef each other and kill each other. And, you know, um, anybody in New York could tell you, Coney Island's one of the grimiest neighborhoods in New York City. Right. Um, we used to not let other hoods come through. Like, people we used to, back when I was a kid, I remember seeing people get their face sliced. I remember seeing people get beat up in the rides and have the, people would just cut off their kid and play fucking flat tops just to be dicks to them. You know what I'm saying? Wow. Like, and, oh, you from out of town? We fucking you up. I, and, but, I mean, people talk about gentrification in Brooklyn a lot and stuff. Coney Island is very far from yeah, Manhattan, so, yeah, but are you still feeling it out there? Yes, it's, it's coming. It's coming. It's beachfront property. Right. You know what I'm saying? But it is a, a little far from Manhattan. That's why it's one of the last neighborhoods to get gentrified, but right. it's coming. Yeah. And Does that is worry you, or, or is, Yo. you kind of look at it as a good thing? Maybe it gets safer. Maybe it, it loses a little bit of charm, Listen, but it, you know. Life. You want your kids going to school? Life in a, is like in a there's a reason I don't York? live in Coney Island no more. Oh, you don't even I stay there. I a house okay. in Staten Island. You okay, know what I'm saying? Okay. I don't want to, you know. Um, you get to a certain level, you know. Houses. I, I wanted a backyard. I wanted, you know. You, they didn't have that in Coney Island, you know. Mm. Um, but I'm big. Like my whole blocks. I've 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 put murals. My shit is like an art district now. My block, bro. I made because once the Byron video and all of that shit came out. I started seeing tourists from fucking Holland, from France, from all over come to my block. And I'm like, yo, this shit look grimy. These motherfuckers think it's a joke. They might get fucking killed out here. Let me make this shit. I did one gate, bing bong. Did another gate with my G logo. Now the whole shit is like a whole art district. Mm. And every I'm trying to do every gate in Coney Island. There's no donations. I did that shit out of my own pocket. Right. You know what I'm saying? I, was, I used to do my graffiti in the city. My name is respected. The graffiti community fucks with me. So I know a lot of the artists. I'm like, yo, come to my block. I got a wall for you. Boom, boom, boom. And, it, and it's a double, you know, um, we could beautify the neighborhood without gentrifying it. You feel like the cops look at you as a positive force at this point? Um, It's... If you ask the cops on the streets, because all the cops in my in Coney Island, they're like, yo, Nems, what up? Right. They they know. But I just had a show at the at a Coney Island venue, the Art Wall, and uh, they told me like, yo, the promoters went, you know, to speak with the, the the cops before the show, and they they had me and Fifty Cent on the watch list, and was like, yo, 
His name is Gorilla Nims. You don't think the cops were telling the promoters, yo, he has his whole he ha he has his own block in Coney Island. You don't think he's a gang member? And I'm like, cause you know, Gorilla with the apes and the, I've never been a gang member in my life. Okay. So I I, I I spoke to my assembly because now I'm starting to see like this is how the avenues you gotta go through. Before right. it would just be like, yo, I'll run up I go in the pre what the fuck is you doing now? Go to the assembly woman, yo, she knows who I am. Yo, what's up? It's about building relationships. Y'all wanna have a meeting with the cops. Right. And uh you kind of force them to respect it, but all the cops know the cops on the street, they know what's up. They they all greet me, they know what it is. They but is know. that like hip hop police shit when yeah. they start hitting up venues about yo, shows and scary. shit? Yeah, right. That shit is scary, especially, you know, with all the shit going on with, you know, fucking young thug. You know, you see shit like that. I'm like, yo, I don't wanna be, you know. Cause on the streets in New York, I mean that's that's what I feel is like not like feels like eighty percent of the time when I see a cop, they're young and fucking of color. Yeah, they know just what's on up. the street. Yo, the cops you know? know what's up. They know yeah. what's what. And um, you know, I just pray that I don't get fucking jammed up. But you're in a weird transition spot though, because it's yeah. like you were a piece of shit when you were a kid, and now you you want to become you know a respected figure in the community and I'm everything. Big, no, in my community, I'm right. well respected. But but being able to do stuff like do shows and not yeah, have the nah, cops absolutely. worry about it that's kind of like a different level of like making the cops just feel and like you're a transition i'm in right now yeah, yeah and um you know it's it's they'll, they'll figure it out but so okay what what happened leading up to like you basically going mega viral what was the video that that made this take off um the bing bong shit with but with yo we want to tell joe byron right now so right basically it was just um but whose video was that side talk okay it's my guys jack and trent Two kids that just fucking They just interview people. They know how to they they're they just know how to do viral shit. I don't and know. you knew them before or they just happened so to this catch what you? Happened. I, I don't know how I'm I think either they DM me or I met them through New York Nico. Okay. So um they hit me originally and was like, yo, we wanna come do they do the episode. They just do it all over New York. They they meet a character, bring them, do different shit with them. But me Coney Island's my shit, you know what I'm saying? So they was like, yo, we want to do an episode of Coney Island. They came. Now, the kid Trent usually does the interviews. And uh, so when he came to Coney Island, I was like, yo, be in my hood. Give me this mic. I'm going to do the interviews. And um, I knew who to bring him to. I brought, you know, Byron was always on the guy. His name is TJ. He was always on the street doing dumb shit, breakdance. Yo, Byron, yo, TJ, do that breakdance shit on the concrete with no shirt you be doing. Go ahead. Boom. And then we did one episode. The people loved it. And then uh, they came back. for I, When they came for the first time, I was like, yo, I got a dope idea. Fourth of July, man. I want to do like a glizzy eating contest. You know, Nathan's does it, but I want to do it on the block with the crackheads and fucking do it. So we did that. And then a couple months later, it just took a life of its own, bro. Like, they started saying, like, re-saying the shit on TikTok. People just start clipping it and putting it on yeah, Twitter. Like doing their own shit to right. it. And uh, I remember just seeing a video with like millions of views on Twitter and being like, this motherfucker is yeah. viral again. <laughs> like, what the hell is going on? Yo, I don't know what the fuck. Yo, you can't pay for that. Right. If it's meant to be, it's meant to be. Everything happens for a reason, man. Right. Um, I was putting in years of hard work. I knew something was going to stick. I didn't know what the fuck it was. I made, you know, I made Bing Bong just fucking around. I put merch on my fucking couch and was week by week when I would drop new merch, I'd be like, yo, check this new shit. Bong, bong, this new shit. Check this hat. Bong. And then one day I was just feeling funny. It was like, bing bong, check this new shit. Bing, bitty, bitty, bing bong. Fuck, bing bong, bing bong. People started laughing. And then people in my hood started saying it. By the time the, the, the side talk kids came, we started saying it in their videos. Mm. And then once the other people heard us say it in the videos, they just took it on their own. Um, and the shit 
created a life of its own. Like, but the shit had nothing to do with the train doors. A lot of people, oh, it's the train. It had nothing to do with oh, train okay. doors. It just came from me saying bong and just fucking around. Like, right. You know, and uh, but the shit just took off and, and been used over a billion times on TikTok. But how how do you feel about it? Like, do you do you have to like really like scramble to make to to get as much as you can in that moment where the shit's going viral? Like, like, or is it more just like, nah, I'm gonna just keep doing exactly what I've been doing? That, but it's also like. When that shit went viral and everybody, all the notoriety started and the eyes started coming on me, it was like, all right, I've been putting in work for fucking 10, 15 years. So I know I already got this album coming out, me and Scram Jones. So I already know I got shit on deck. I got the song Bing Bong that just dropped right before the shit went viral. And I did the remix with Fat Joe, Buster Styles P. So I already had the wheels in motion mm. already because I've already been putting in work. So I already knew. But the other guys in the video... Like Byron and, and, and Mr. Hardhat, I let them all know, like, yo, this shit ain't gonna last. Make mm. sure you get everything you could out of this shit, man. Because right. in a couple months, people gonna forget this shit. Right. I got the rap shit that everybody knows before that I was a rapper, you know, and now they're gonna find out if they think I'm just a comedian or Instagram it's guy. It's just gonna build the business. Yeah. Even the merch, it's like, this is just gonna build on that. Exactly. You know? Exactly. So I was like, I got the, you know, I got shit that, that's gonna keep me going, but you guys don't. So make sure you get shit in order. So we could do it, so y'all could keep going. You know what I'm saying? And right. uh, you know, um, I, as soon as that Bing Bong shit, but I already had Bing Bong on shirts, so I already copyrighted that. Was the was there I like owned fuck your life for years already? Right. Was there like TikToks that blew your mind? You ever see Kylie yeah, Jenner yeah, shaking yeah, her ass yeah, to you, your voice and yeah, that freak you out? It was a, at this at that point, like probably November when it started. But it was every day somebody knew was doing it. Like right. it was every single day, and then once. And every and I was like, yo, it's cool, it's cool. And once I seen the president doing, I was like, yeah, that shit is over. The president. Yeah, the president. But the Jonas brothers, the Jonas brothers did it and was like, yo, they did the voiceover. Like, what do you want to tell Joe Byron right now? And then you see the he didn't say it himself, but he's they he puts his phone down and it's him, the president. Right. Because the shit had gotten so viral, even the fucking president. I was like, yo. There's no, you can't get more viral than that. You right. know, you got John Legend singing it. Hey, yo, take me out to dinner. Hey, I was like, I still got to sample that shit and put that shit in the song. But Holy shit. Yo, but like every day, then, you know, the women, you know, you would get, every day would be videos of whole strip clubs doing this <laughs> shit. I was like, yeah, I love this shit. Right. You still spend a lot of time in the strip club? I get paid to go to the strip club. Mm. I love that. You got consistent strip consistent. clubs you work with? Um... Yeah. Or is it just random dates? Random, a lot. Uh, sometimes random, but there's also Foxy's and Coney Island. There's, a, you know, there's certain ones, Sweets. There's, there's a lot of different strip clubs in New York City that that just. You hear a lot about the strip club culture in New York, but is the strip club culture in Coney Island a total different world of its own? <laughs> it's like the the fucking. <laughs> they got the undiscovered baddies, or yeah, what? Yeah, it's like the minor leagues. They on their way up. You know what I'm saying? I like that better because me personally, I'm not a that fake ass, and that does that don't do it for me. I like really? I like I like natural ass. I'll take a skinny chick with a little plump ass and a pretty face over that fucking fake. Right. Hard rock shit. That's not. I'm not gonna lie though. There was a girl that was walking through here earlier with a crazy BBL, and I was just like staring at her. Yo, like, it looks. It <laughs> yeah. depends because a lot of them got the fucked up shit too. But yeah. you know, I don't hate on anybody. But if you know, my choice, I like. You know, I don't like. I'm not a big fan of the BBL shits. Mm. A lot of shit don't look right. You in a relationship? Yeah. Okay. With my money. <laughs> yeah. So that. Me and my money got a great relationship. I'm never letting that bitch go. Right. But so, what, did the pussy start flowing in on a different level once the bing bong craze took uh, over? My DMs is crazy. Right. 
chicks naked, naked. Yo, got this one, this one older lady hit me, and was like, sent mad naked pictures. Not older, like maybe upper thirties, mid forties, and butt naked. Yo, yo, I just want to please. I'm mad. Please don't tell my husband. Don't, don't <laughs> send. I don't know who this lady is. I don't know who her husband is. Right. I don't really give a fuck. You know, um, that I, you know, shit was just hilarious. Just the shit she was saying, and, and, and I get that a lot. Right. Um, well, you gotta be careful because it's just some of it feels kind of spooky, it. right? Yeah, like yeah, who the yeah, fuck yeah. knows what their intentions nah, are. A lot of shit I just delete. Yeah. I read and just delete before they know I read it. Right. You know, um, I'm not a thirsty individual. I've done I've done my share of things throughout my life, which you know I'm not I'm not thirsty. I let the shit come to me. Right. I'm not one of these guys that be all up in deep. Yeah. Uh, nah. Yeah. Come, it comes to me. How old are you at this point? 39. Okay. You got a year on me. Uh, 38. Yeah. 40 scare you at all? Nah. Because when I when I was about to turn um when I was about to turn 30, I was like, damn, I'm about to be 30. This shit is all over. Seems real scary until it happens. Right? Yeah. And then my, the 30's been the best years of my life. That's a fact. I got made the most money, had the most sex, had the most fun, fucking Bought homes, like really became comfortable with who I am as a person. The twenties, you don't know none of that shit. Right. Um, the twenties, you just figuring shit invincible. out. Invincible. I'm invincible. Nothing could happen to me. And then the thirties coming in, like, yo, I'm not invincible, and now I'm kind of shook of flying. Now, now I have I'm to like, actually primarily focus on doing things that will improve my life. Absolutely. <laughs> you know, like absolutely. I, I got to eat a salad instead of a fucking cheeseburger for lunch. When I or... wake up in the morning, I drink. I, f I hate water, bro. Really? I hate, like I don't know why. I just I'm not a fan of it. I'm fat. You know, you know whatever. I like soda. Right. But in the mornings, I force myself to fucking drink like two bottles. Well, I just damn the shit. And throughout the day, like even right now, I'm not, I was mad that you guys didn't have soda. I was like, fuck water. <laughs> Fuck it, you know what I'm, I'm glad I don't have that birth defect because I love fucking drinking water and, and people not drinking enough water. That's one of the biggest things I think of when I look at a homeless person sleeping on the street. I'm like, I know they're not drinking close <laughs> to enough water. Their body must be all fucked up Thanks. out here baking in the sun. Y'all, ugh. ugh. Um, okay, but when you look at the drill craze that's kind of took over a large percentage of hip-hop and just the fact that they're talking about killing each other and shit, how do you feel about what that means for the future of rap do you do you, like do you, does that kind of worry you uh, it's a lot more explicit than when we were young and we were listening to rap you know but i feel like um and anybody can be a rapper now you can just anybody. be some random fucking kid <laughs> Any, anybody can rap bro. you got a hundred thousand views talking about your ops in a song crazy. whatever it's crazy yeah kids are killing themselves but listen when we were coming up i'm sure there was fucking people that were saying yo that shit is never gonna last this type of music or this you know this this era that they're on you know I feel like we're older now and we're being like, yeah, that, that shit ain't, it is what it is. Every every generation has their form. And uh, we had Biggie and Tupac, we learned from that. Mm. You know what I'm saying? But those, a lot of those lessons seem like they've been kind of forgotten, right? Because exactly, hip, hip hop had like a weird calm period after that where yeah, nobody yeah, yeah. really wanted to be promoting violence because it just seemed so out of control. Mm -hmm. And then that seems like it kind of got lost at a certain point. Yeah, but that get, comes back to like, yo, fuck your life, man. What they doing, <laughs> I don't give a fuck. You right. know what I'm saying? I'm, I'm not going to be saying to my son, my ops, this and that. You know, if we got to do something, you'll never hear about it. The realest shit I've done in my life, I've never rapped about. Right. You know what I'm saying? Because why would and, you? Exactly. So, yeah. um... Yeah, I don't. I I like the drill shit, man. That that I don't pay attention to who's beefing with who. They be like, yo, this one's doing what word? That's crazy. You know, I've never been one for gossip, man. I don't. I've always just stayed in my lane and stayed to myself. I'm gonna focus. Me worrying about who's ops with somebody else. That shit don't get me money. It doesn't fucking 
cause any effect in my life, so I don't care about it. But how how does it feel at this point to be able to like, okay, you you have a hot song, so you want to do a remix, and you can just get you know Fat Joe and Styles P on it and shit like that. As a rap fan, that's the best. That, that must be Yo. trippy to be like, oh, I'm actually just accepted amongst all these Yo, greats. It's the the greatest feeling in the world. It's like years worth the hard work. It's validity mm. because there's been there was years when I was rapping. Be a family party. Yo, when are we going to hear your shit on the radio? In my mind, I just came off tour in Europe. You don't know about me? That? But they don't, the masses, they don't hear it on the radio. Now it's just like years of validation with Fat Joe FaceTimes me all the time. Yo, yeah, 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 we talking. Buster, you know, all these, even the locks. Like, yo, that shit is, people I grew up listening, that shit is the best feeling. And it's just like, I still get a kick out of it. Mm. Fat Joe FaceTime me the other day. I'm like, this is crazy. Right. You know, my mind, I'm playing it cool, but I'm like, yo, this is crazy. It's right. Fat Joe or Busta. When I was uh, on Joe Budden's podcast the other day, I was just thinking, I'm like, up until maybe like the last year, I would not have even been able to dream that I would be able to do Facts. something like this. You know, like that, it, but, but it becomes kind of normalized yes. to you pretty quickly where, you know, I'm sure you could hang out with Joe, Joe, uh, Fat Joe at this point and, at some point, your brain's going to stop thinking about, yeah. like, holy shit, this guy's famous as fuck, and I've been listening to him since yeah. I was a kid. But I but let them know, like, I, yo, when I when I come, to, like, when I was coming here, mm. my management team was like, yo, you might, you might throw this or say that. I'm like, yo, there's nothing that anybody could throw at me or ask me that I'm not ready for because I don't front for nobody. Mm. When I meet rappers, I tell them, yo, I'm a fan. Yo, that shit you did, that shit is fire. Mm. Yo, the, with the older generation, I make sure extra I pay homage to the legends because I feel like the rap game don't really do that. We're the only genre that doesn't, you know, pay homage the correct way to the... It's starting to change, mm. but like the Rolling Stones and fucking the Who, they're on tour and still sell out shit. The Grateful Dead, all that... At a certain point, it was like, hello, nah, we don't listen to that. He's old or this person. Now it's starting to change. But when I meet, like, like say, a Grandmaster Cast, that was before my shit. I, I don't even know none of his songs. Mm. But I make sure I go out my way to be like, thank you, legend. But you, you know, know what? what you know what's part of that, though, that is a good thing, I think, is that <laughs> hip-hop is such a thriving genre that there's new and exciting music being made all the time in it. A lot of times when you look at classic rock and why there aren't like new classic rock bands on the fucking radio is because a lot of those bands really kind of like did the best version of that music that's <laughs> ever going to happen. And in a lot of ways, we could say that about rap, too. We could point to a lot of albums from the 90s. When you talk about who are the greatest rappers of all time, you tend to go back to the 90s primarily yeah. in terms of uh, naming off the greats. But... The fact that there is so much new music, and, and I mean, rap is, it's the music of young people to, to a certain extent. You know, you can stay in love with it as you get older, shit, but. Bro. My shit be getting mad gray. You do that? I've been thinking about it. Yo, my, up here I don't. It's getting great, but over here it, be, it gets a little too great. So once in a while, every couple months, I don't have to do it a lot. Mm. I'll, be, I'll be putting that shit. You don't want to prematurely put yourself in the unk category. Yeah, exactly. So yeah. I'll be like, you know. I mean, like a little touch up here and there. I'm not gonna front for the people. You know what I'm saying? Right. It is what it is. I mean, this is young man's sport. Right. You know what I'm saying? And um, I just wanna, I just wanna be, live life happy, man. Live my dreams and fucking do the right thing and make sure my people's is good. For you know sure. What I'm saying it's not fun if you're doing it alone. I took a picture with a legendary rapper one time. Someone from New York, late forties. Never posted the photo because you could see the Just for Men sitting next to him in the photo, <laughs> and I didn't want to air him out. I probably could have edited it out. But. <laughs> what uh, what what are your thoughts on 
the streets in New York in the sense that like a lot of people are, are convinced it's a crime wave, that the streets are way crazier than they ever been. Do you think that that's real? And what do you think is the, the primary cause of that? I mean, they'd say the same thing about out here. Oh, yeah, definitely out here. You know yeah. what I'm saying? I mean, I don't know how it is out here. It might really be that. It's pretty but wild. The, the same thing is in New York. Just They wilding out out there. But it's just like um, when you present yourself a certain way and like that, I don't, I don't, you can't live your life in fear, bro. Mm. You know what I'm saying? Like, yo, shit, hap shit happens. It is what it is. Just make sure you're good. Make sure your peoples are good. And be ready for whatever comes your way. And when you think about New York in the 90s, though, is it like a million times worse? Man, yo, way worse. You, have <laughs> right. to, you used to have to fucking put your money in your socks. Right. You know what I'm saying? To ride the train. The train was the grimiest place. Right. You know what I'm saying? That shit is mad safe in New York now. I got some BMX homies who, who grew up right by you, actually, and they told me that, like, they were like, going to Manhattan was pedaling full speed the yes. whole fucking time. And they said, especially when you got near Williamsburg in that area, yes. you had to not stop at a red light. You had to go through every fucking Absolutely. red light because they would take your shit 100%. Absolutely. It is what it is, man. Yeah. You know and that, that scenario is like pretty hard for the when average New Yorker to imagine. Era, it's like everything else is cake. Mm. You know what I'm saying? And I've been at the bottom of life. You know what I'm saying? I've I've been the... the, the uh, uh, what, uh, not the victim. What's the opposite of the victim? The perpetrator. Right. I'm saying I've lived on that side. I've seen life from those eyes. You know what I'm saying? And when you live life that way, everything else is a fucking piece of cake. This rap shit is easy. This fucking mm. interviews. This shit is nothing. This shit is light work. This is what I worked all these years for. And it's just like, you know, um, when you're at the bottom, there ain't no way you could go but up. And and just the the way that you can live your life with your head up high, knowing that the shit that you're doing day to day is putting good into the world as opposed to you know if, if you're robbing people or if you're selling drugs where you know that the drugs are ultimately gonna have a negative impact exactly. on people you can't really be proud of how you spent your day when you're doing that you know if what you're doing now you're basically spreading positivity and Yo, fucking when music I walk What's, into rooms, yeah. bro, I, I fucking am the fucking bing bong guy, bro. It fucking lights people's fucking yo. Don't ever, don't ever disrespect me, guy. All mm. I do is joke and laugh all day. So when I come into a room, whether it's thugs or old ladies or little kids, they all have the same fucking reaction when I come through, which is ninety eight percent positive, mm. which I love. It's like. I'm a fucking rapper who screams out, fuck your life. And for years, people told me, you'll never make it yelling out, fuck your life. It's too vulgar. Mm. Now we got ladies in motherfucking Nebraska, little kids in fucking Alaska, you, you know, yelling this shit because I stayed true to my guns. Right. I stayed true to myself, who the fuck I was. The world and, changed enough that all of a sudden, fuck your life wasn't really considered that offensive anymore. Exactly. And I've been <laughs> saying it for so long. But you say, like it, a you term say it positively. Yeah, like, yeah. yo, yo, what up? Fuck your life. <laughs> yeah. You know what I'm saying? It's just like, it, it's like a fucking a greeting. Yeah, I think you might have said it to me the first thing that you said when you saw me and not for a second did it occur to me that that is aggressive yeah, yeah, yeah. exactly yeah that's Good. dope I that's like fire it. yeah <laughs> hey i'm proud of you man i didn't really like know you that well until today i guess but you know just seeing what you've all been through and everything it's it's amazing thank you bro i'm hyped appreciate it let's do it and the music's good too so everybody tap in streaming services and whatnot fuck your life dickheads where do they go to get the merch fylnyc Amazing. People have a hard time with that. They're like, oh, it's not dot com. It's like they fucking self-destruct mm. in their head. They can't fucking get it. Or they spell F-Y-L fly. Nah, it's not fly, dickheads, you fucking dyslexic bastards. It's F-Y-L dot N-Y-C. Yeah. Simple. No, I mean, people are so fucking stupid. I, I, I realize that every day somebody sends me a fake No Jumper <laughs> account, and it's like, this is you? And I'm like, no. Well, how did you get the name No Jumper? Uh, Gucci. 95 Air Max, because I'm a dope runner. 
Balling like an athlete, but got no jumper. Woo! Bars. Fire. Let's go. Nems, yeah. appreciate you, man. Much like love. Us. My guy. Yes. New York City. Bing bong. Stand up. No Jumper, coolest podcast in the world. Check us out on YouTube, TikTok, Patreon, Instagram. Like, comment, subscribe. Nojumper.com if you want to support. Bing bong. Yeah.